When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Board YouTube channel. This is the NBA content division of the Hammer Betting Network, and I am back. My name is Jacob Germania. I'm here with my co-host, Kirk Evans, for the Thursday show here where we go through the NBA week that was. We talk about the biggest stories around the league. We talk about trending topics. We give our opinions. And at the end of it all, we go to Kirk Evans here to get some best bets. And today we're focusing on the in-season tournament with those best bets and we'll recap also some of the previous plays that have been given out on the show but for starters evan you've been a busy man on the network recently you have to today you're on the obviously this show which you're on every week later today you're on the circles off podcast for an in-studio episode and tonight you are on the forward progress nfl watch party so uh yeah how's it been with all this content let the viewers know yeah no it's been fun uh, i've never really done any content prior now we're kind of just diving into it. Yeah, it's been, I mean, I'm excited for, for the Circles Off episode. If you guys don't know Kirk Evans, he was on a previous Circles Off episode. That's the Educational Sports Betting Content Division of The Hammer. That was a few weeks ago. Now you can go back to check at Circles Off HQ or the one that's coming out in an hour and a half at the time of the live recording here. So plenty of content from Kirk Evans that is uh, on the way and even the Forward Progress stream tonight. Those NFL watch parties are fun if that is your taste, but over here, it's all about the NBA and some of the biggest stories. Well, the biggest story remains James Harden, in my opinion. And the reason that remains the biggest story in the league is, of course, because the Clippers have not won a game since James Harden arrived to the team. Now, in fairness to James, they're 0-6 since he arrived, but he's only played in five of those games. So they're 0-5 when he actually suits up and does play. So we'll talk about this, but before we get started, want to remind everybody to smash the like button on today's stream to pump us up in that YouTube algorithm. It does really make a difference to the content and also subscribe to keep up to date with all the content we have over here on the channel. After all, we do five weekday morning streams for best bets. We have this show as well. And on top of that, we have YouTube shorts, including the Monday, Friday, big SGPs. But first of all, Evan Kirk, we have the Clippers at 0-6. What's the biggest reason why they cannot piece this together post-trade? Um, I don't know if I would point to one specific reason. I think the fact that I've got this written down here, Harden's played over 50% of his minutes with Westbrook. I don't know if I would say that's the biggest reason that they're 0-6, 0-5, but it's, to me, pretty easily the, the easiest fix. Those are two guys pretty clearly who shouldn't be playing together. I think not that LeBron and Harden are particularly similar players, but it's pretty clear that Westbrook is a pretty cancerous offensive player. If he doesn't, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's not a great offensive player either way, but he's pretty much only good at this point in his career. If he can have the ball, you know, put pressure on the rim and find guys for passes and him playing with Harden just kind of makes no sense. They've been terrible together. There's also been a lot of three-point shooting luck for Harden specifically. Like when Harden's been on, the three-point shooting has been insane for the other team and horrible for the Clippers. 
<laughs> so I think there are a lot of reasons. Harden's also in pretty bad shape, and I, I think he even said that um, pretty recently. But he's always been a guy who can kind of get into shape midseason. So I feel like I'm normally pretty pessimistic on this show, but but all the topics we're talking about, I'm actually going to be a little optimistic. I faded okay. the Clippers, I think, the first three games that Harden played for them. But at this point, I'm uh, – I'm more optimistic on the Clippers than I would say general perception. I think they'll be fine. So this optimism that you have here, by the way, today we're talking about the Clippers. We're talking about the other LA team. We're talking about Zach Levine. But as far as the Clippers specifically are concerned, do you think they should, like Ty Lewis said that he has no plan to bring Westbrook off the bench. They want to kind of keep status quo here. Do you think that's the approach that they actually are going to use and that's what's going to help them get out of this funk here? Yeah, I think Westbrook's going to come off the bench within the next three, four games would be my guess. It just really makes no sense. Powell fits better. Man fits better. Like Harden off the – he played off the bench last year, and he was actually pretty good at it when he was playing for the Lakers. It was kind of a very similar problem. He couldn't play with LeBron because LeBron is better with the ball in his hands than Westbrook. And Westbrook without the ball in his hands just completely clogs up the offense, and he doesn't do enough otherwise to kind of justify being on the court. But, you know, if you want to stagger, Harden comes off, you know, Kawhi comes off, then you got Westbrook and PG playing together with the bench unit. Westbrook can play 23 minutes a game, have the ball in his hands a lot, have a much higher usage than he does now. But just don't play them, all four of them together. It just, like, there's not really any reason. And also, the nice thing about bringing Westbrook off the bench is Plumlee's injured. So you can play... Westbrook in those five out lineups, he's kind of the only non-shooter on the court. Play him with another star. Make sure that star's not hard, and it can be Kawhi, it can be PG. And and I think that will work versus what they're doing now, which is simply not working. Yeah, I it kind of reminds me, any, any NFL fans there, and, and maybe you'll you'll need to know this for your watch party tonight, even though they're not playing, the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Uh, Coach Arthur Arthur Smith was claiming on Desmond Ritter, the quarterback who started the season, but everybody was saying he's not good. He probably shouldn't be starting. Uh, Arthur Smith basically like, oh, I watch more tape than anybody else. He's good. He's our best quarterback. And then a few weeks later, Taylor Heineke starting. I think this is kind of the same thing that will happen to Ty Lue. He's just sticking up for his guy in press conferences. Internally, he has to understand that this Westbrook thing really can continue. And if it does continue, you can't have Westbrook with a same slice of the pie in terms of field goal attempts as Paul George, as Kawhi Leonard, as James Harden. The only way we talked about, I think, either last week or two weeks ago, this would really work is if you're playing those five-out lineups with Westbrook, pressuring the rim and kicking out after the fact to guys like Kawhi, PG, Harden. But in those cases, well, first of all, Harden's got to take some more catch-and-shoot threes, which he's actually admitted. And second of all, if you're using Kawhi and PG as those catch and shoot guys outside, it's a bit of a waste. So, yeah, the fit isn't really happening. I don't think I'm quite as optimistic as you are. However, a lot of clashing sort of personalities, but I don't know. Ty Lue's a good coach, so I have to I have to give him a little bit of – I have to give Ty Lue a bit of optimism because I think he's too good of a coach to let this continue where it's just – no flow on offense, no plays. It's basically just like, all right, my turn to play offense and everybody else kind of watches. For sure. And and I think it is like kind of like a chicken and the egg situation where I'm optimistic based on what's happening. Like I think Harden's being fine. His individual stats are fine. 
his usage rate is way down, which I think is actually a pretty good sign, even though, you know, he doesn't do so much without the ball. So he is going to have to generate, but like 20% usage for Harden, I think is totally fine. He's got 11 catch and shoot jumpers, 26 dribble jumpers, which sounds pretty bad, but that's better than, than typically in his career. I watched all his shots um, right before this podcast, all his shots as a Clippers. It looked fine. He only has eight shots at the rim. He's smoked a couple layups, so that's a worry. But again, he's not really in good shape, so it's not shocking. But really, the problem is, you know, if it keeps going bad, it can spiral really quickly, even if it's like the underlying numbers are fine. But I don't think Kawhi's thinking, oh, okay, we're 0-6, but the underlying numbers are fine, right? Kawhi's thinking, what is going on? We just trade for Harden, and we're playing terrible. So it could spiral pretty quickly. And already there's been, you know, Westbrook was on the bench angry. Kawhi didn't come back to the bench, all this stuff. So I'm not super optimistic to the point where I'm like, oh, the Clippers are going to be totally fine. But if I think, I think if they just kind of stagger Harden Westbrook a bit more, let it play their course. They've played some tough teams. They played Denver pretty tough. I I think they'll be fine. Memphis and lost. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. That is true. They got smoked by Dallas as well, but like they lost to the Knicks. The Knicks have been good. Um, I think they'll be fine. I'm not ready to say, you know, they're totally dead in the water. No one in the West has looked that good other than Denver. I think they'll be fine, but again, it could spiral quickly with the personalities on this team. So that's we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my concern. So they're three and seven, by the way, the Clippers after their three and one start. Look, I don't think they're going to be like outright missing the playoffs necessarily, but yeah, it's the the way it's tough to say after it's tough to make like a big claim after six games. It's only six games, and like you said, all these things like gelling together, Harden not ne- quite necessarily being at his full game fitness, but even still, it's tough for me to see them putting it together enough to really be a contender. And by the way, we didn't even mention Zubac has been absolutely horrible so far this season, which is another problem sure. you need to look out for. Uh, but from one team that perhaps doesn't look like the contender we thought they were, we go to perhaps another team that maybe isn't quite looking like the contender we thought they'd be. Now they're not as big of in as big of a hole, but the Los Angeles Lakers are six and six. Rather surprisingly, here is one maybe where the underlying numbers don't quite support <laughs> their record. Um, just simply looking at their defensive rating, offensive rating, they're twentieth in both. 20th in both, yet they are six and six. So the offense hasn't been particularly good. The defense hasn't been particularly good, but they're finding a lot of ways to grind out games. LeBron has looked great this season. AD hasn't looked as good as I thought AD would look. They lost by 15 to the Kings yesterday. Bit of an ugly one. The Lakers so far, what are your thoughts on this team? Yeah, I feel like I'm also a little bit maybe more optimistic on the Lakers than consensus um there are clear real positives and clear real negatives number one positive lebron is whatever 38 maybe he's 95 maybe he's a robot or an alien he still looks unbelievable he he's the best player on this team so far this year and i don't think it's been close even though i think everyone coming into the year would have thought you know davis is going to be the guy so you know going into the season to me, the biggest concern with the Lakers is what happens if LeBron finally, you know, heavily declines, then they would be in trouble. Don't worry. But yeah, exactly. It doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen. But there was a lot of talk of this Lakers depth. 
And that's really been an issue. Reeves has been bad. Uh, Gabe Vincent's been terrible. They need Vando back. Christian Wood's been really bad. Um, Jackson Hayes is really bad. <laughs> so, like, there's, you know, team talk about depth. Now they're starting Cam Reddish, you know? So that's without a doubt a problem. But LeBron being so good. And they're actually first in rim finishing right now on offense. They're... 25th in mid-range jumpers, 23rd in three-point jumpers. I think that'll turn a little bit, but the thing that'll turn even more is they're 24th in three-point percentage against, and they're 22nd in long mid-range jumpers against. I feel like that's mostly luck. The the defense is 20th right now, I think you said. This defense just needs to be a top-10 defense for them to do anything serious. I think Vando will help. I think they that he... Uh, just got like a, some positive injury news. He'll be back soon enough. So I think they'll be fine, but certainly have downgraded them since uh, the start of the season. I was very high on the Lakers coming to the season, which is kind of why I see them as a bit of a disappointment here. Maybe some other people weren't quite as high as me on this Lakers team. I, I was a fan of the depth. Uh, Reeves obviously was a, a huge player for me for this team. He's not been the huge player for them. Uh, like you said, Cam Reddish is starting. The Lakers just, the purple and gold just attracts enough pieces that like if somebody isn't quite working out, they just find, they have another one deep down in the roster that's actually got like somewhat potential. That might be Cam Reddish for a little bit. But yeah, the Anthony Davis, I mean, just straight up, Anthony Davis has to be better for this team to to compete. I, as much as people were making it about AD, I never thought this team could be successful if AD was outperforming LeBron because, like, if, if LeBron's getting outperformed by AD, then LeBron is not playing well enough for this team to do well. So, yeah, AD's has a step up. Defensively, he needs to step up. Yesterday against the Kings, he struggled. Like, Sabonis is really good. I get it. But he struggled immensely with that Sabonis matchup. Sabonis, dev- oh, my God, look at the numbers. Sabonis absolutely devoured AD yesterday. So, that definitely has to be an area of improvement specifically for the Lakers. But do you think that they're considering right now any moves they can make to try and strengthen this team? Or do you think they're trying to stay on course as well, like the Clippers? For sure. Well, first I'll, I'll talk on AD. A bit of a weird player, AD. He, I feel like for for a you know, top 20 player in the league, he's one of the least consistent guys in the league. Sometimes he goes through stretches where he looks top, like a top five player. Last year in the playoffs, you watch him. He's by far the most impactful defensive player in the playoffs, but he's really never been the most impactful defensive player in the regular season for more than, you know, 20 game stretches. I'm not exactly sure why that is. It could be injury related. He's a guy who really gets injured super often. He could be dealing with something. Um, but again, I, I you look at the defensive personnel on this team, especially if they're starting LeBron at the three and Vando at the four, that just should be a really good defensive team. So I think they still should be a top 10 D. And if you're first in rim finishing, decent AFG, they should be good enough, you know, to be like around average on offense. And then that's kind of what they were expected to be at the at the start of the season. I think they were like 48 and a half wins uh, over under, you know, 10th on offense, 10th on D. 15th on offense is, is right around there. So I think they'll be fine. But yeah, AD needs to turn it around and they really need to get Reeves going. Reeves was uh, 99th percentile in points per shot attempt last year, dropped to 64th percentile this year. His turnovers have been really bad. So yeah, Reeves need to, he needs to figure it out for sure. 
Um, you said any trade pieces. I think it's still pretty early. I guess we have seen some massive trades, like the Harden trade, but I assume they'll think about Levine, but is there anyone I'm missing other than Levine who, who really could be a trade target early? OG, maybe? I mean, the Lakers... They're not trading for OG. The Lakers really don't have... To be honest, the Lakers like, can't trade it, make a trade. Like, just... With the guys that are locked in for like the, the the extension thing and the finances that go to these players, they actually like can't make a trade. Yeah, well, Reeves wanted to. I think could be traded after defend December fifteenth, and then like maybe he's could be a, the key of a trade. Uh, but I wouldn't. I I, I I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. I'm a big fan of Reeves. Yeah, I think that's a good. I point. agree. And and you're trading him at at the lowest point of his value, so. I think I'm with you. I think there's just probably the team. They figured it out last year. I, I don't know. I think well, they figured that we're still really early in the season. Trade. <laughs> yeah, but they still have those guys, you know? Yeah. So I think I think they'll be fine. We're still very early in the NBA yeah. season. They, they you look started, at the standings. I think, two and ten. I think they were two and ten last yeah. year at this point. So six and six. They're six and six. Improvement. They're fine. They're fine. The, the real issue is that. LeBron's missed one game and AD's missed one game. Those guys are going to miss time. And coming into the season, I think the idea was, you know, we can miss, we can lose LeBron for stretches of games. We can rest them and we'll be good. And that just has not been the case. They are terrible with LeBron off the floor. Right. Uh, uh, Colin Fry's here saying D'Angelo Russell also needs to step up. I don't know. For me, I never expected Russell to be much to, at, at all regardless yeah. his shooting has been really bad he needs to start hitting shots but he will he's actually been super consistent with what he is throughout his career i think he'll be fine all right i mean i i'm not a big daniel russell fan so i'm not holding out a ton of hope there but he, he actually he's been better than i expect him to be this season i'll, I'll i will yeah do he, he just he, he just needs to be a good three-point shooter i'm not i don't yeah. think he's gonna you know turn into a, a dynamic defensive player but you know, he's shooting, I guess he's up to 38% from three right now, but it's being 40% the last couple of years. He's fine. He kind of is what he is. Uh, Follow-up is that he's playing so many minutes. Playing so many minutes, he's Gabe Vincent is shooting 7% from three this season. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Reeves is struggling. Yeah, so that's why he has to play. Let me see what Gabe Vincent is after yeah. that Kings game. Uh, okay, he's shooting, yeah, 7% from three on 3.5 attempts per game. That's not very good. Yeah. But only 12 games, as I said. Uh, calling you from Phoenix saying that uh, you need to put AD with a pick and roll ball handle that can actually stretch defenses. Yeah, I mean, kind of, you can see that being the case with AD, maybe he hasn't quite gotten that here, but like we saw, like after AD's, after seeing AD in the playoffs last year, I was ready to anoint him like the best defender in the NBA. And I actually have a TPOI bet on him. That's not looking phenomenal that this early stage of the season that can all change, of course, over the course of it. But uh I, I think, yeah, again, this team needs AD to be successful. Yeah, I think I agree with that point in terms of, like, AD is not going to be the most hyper-efficient player in the NBA on this Lakers team because this Lakers team, they're being, like, a bottom 20 three-point shooting team every year LeBron's been there and every year Davis has been there. So I agree, you know, Davis probably ideally would be kind of close to that, like, I don't want to say quite that Utah Gobert team, but yeah, you want more spacing around him. You want a good pick and roll partner for sure. That would unlock his offense. But like you said, 
they don't have that much shooting around Davis, but they have a lot of defense around them. They've got a lot of size. There's just no reason they're the 20th defensive team in the league. Right. Question from Eric. Is Austin Reeves serious or unserious? <laughs> Austin Reeves is way closer to serious than unserious. He didn't quite make the list. Last year, maybe serious. This year, he's struggling a little bit, so... He didn't quite make the list, but way closer to serious than unserious. Rank, rank his but, seriousness out of 10. 10 being the most serious player of all time, unserious, and one being the most unserious. So, so 10 being, being like Drew Holiday and one, one being, being Jordan, Jordan Poole. Poole and Kyle he's like He's like a 7-3. Okay, okay. Pretty serious. Clearly, <laughs> clearly serious. Yeah, like watch Austin Reeves. He, he just he takes the right shots. thing is he's a, he gets cooked on D. That, that definitely – downs your serious rating but he's like he's locked in it's not like he's not trying on the he doesn't take dumb shots he makes the right play you know never would be a guy who like comes off the bench and then like makes a scene just he's just serious for sure but not not quite on the all nba serious team i think you're selling sure i think he's a very serious player for all the reasons you mentioned he's always he's always seven three a seven three that's high a seven three is high I push high sevens for Reeves. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. We talked about trade potential trades for the Lakers. One of those guys, people speculate, at anytime a guy's available, the two teams you know that are going to be mentioned, number one, it's the Lakers. Number two, it's the Raptors. Uh, the Lakers like literally can't do this trade, even if they wanted to. The Raptors, maybe we can discuss as well if they're involved at all. But Zach Levine is on the trade block. The Bulls have not started well. So what do you think? are the best landing spots for Zach Levine in considerations of Levine's fit with that team and the team's fit for Levine in the sense like this is going to make sense to do the trade. Please, God, Zach Levine, do not get traded to the Raptors. I, uh, this, talking about me being an optimist, I'm about to go in on optimistic Kirk right here. I, I think Zach Levine is awesome. Awesome and maybe the most underrated player in the whole NBA. But why would the Raptors trade for him? That's just he's just going from the balls to another balls. Like it just Raptors do not trade for him. I'm, I desperately want to see Zach Levine on the Philadelphia 76ers. That's hey. obviously the team that makes sense. They would be awesome with him. It would really elevate them. I sent a text to a guy who I talked a lot of basketball with today. Who are you taking, Bucks or Sixers with Levine? And I think it's legitimately a good question. But before we get into any of it, let's talk Zach Levine. I don't really get why the narrative is so negative around Zach Levine. So here's his last three years usage, 97th percentile in usage, 96th percentile in usage, 94th percentile in usage. This isn't included this year. Those three years, 94th percentile in points per shot attempt, 85th percentile in points per shot attempt, 80th percentile in points per shot attempt. So massive usage, hyper-efficient, and he's taking a terrible shot diet. He takes a ton of long twos. Um, This year, 125 jump shots, only 19 have been unguarded, and only 32 out of 125 are catch and shoots. You put this guy on the Sixers, they're telling them no more long twos, just bomb 10 threes a game, and when they close out on you, get to the rim. And then he he, he could be one of the most efficient scorers in the league. I know he's bad defensively, but he's good size, good athleticism, 
I think he'd be fine as a playoff defender. I don't think he would get like brought up attacked every time, especially with Joel behind him. I think that's actually a pretty good pairing because I don't think Levine's like a, a switch guy. Give get this man on the Sixers. Get this man on the Sixers. I'll tell you why I'm I'm not I'm not a big Zach Levine fan. First and foremost, the defense comes into play for me. You really need to have a specific team that can handle that. Maxi's improving as a defender, so but Levine and him together, I think, could bring a bit of problems there. Nick Nurse as well. I'm not sure Zach Levine is the ideal player for a Nick Nurse defense. But another reason that I question Zach Levine, his consistency is very annoying. He's got such big fluctuations with output. Like you could get just a game where like just for some reason, there's no motivation from Zach Levine. He goes like 10 points. Then you have, you know, earlier in the season, he had what he had like a a 50 point game or in the season, I think. So you just have such severe fluctuations with Zach Levine that really frustrate me. Um, The Sixers. I like the fit enough. Like as much as I said, you know, like with Nickers, I like it. I like it looking at it as well. But I think the Sixers will prioritize cap space at the end of the season. I think that – I think they know they're close. They're really close to this team. But I think if they're patient enough, they can really, really get to another level if they're patient for next season. Tobias Harris's contract comes off the books. Uh, that's $40 million. Marcus Morris, $17 million. Nick Batum, $12 million. Robert Covington, $12 million. Uh, Melton, $8 million, and then a few other guys as well. Like, all of that comes off the books next year. Guys like OG and Anobi are free agents. I think they're going to throw. Is OG and Anobi better than Zach Levine? No, but I think that value perspective for a playoff team, you could certainly make the case. I just don't. I think Levine is a super additive offensive player. Like, he is a player that you can fit with essentially any real superstar like, I think right now is pretty much the worst Zach Levine situation. They don't have shooting around him, but they have another guy who's super on ball, but who doesn't really create double teams or space for Zach Levine. Like, Zach Levine with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, that is just going to create so- – we've never seen Zach Levine in a situation like that, and he's already a hyper-efficient offensive player. So you put him on a team that's – you know, he's the, the third option. They could legitimately be a top five offense in the league pretty easily. And I know the defense is a concern. And, and also the injuries are a concern for sure. He's got a lot of knee issues. But it seems like he's fine. Yeah, I think his knees are mush just came up on my screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah he certainly had knee issues. But he, even last year, I kept thinking, oh, Levine's got these knee issues. He was amazing last year as an offensive player. Look, the offense has been bad in Chicago, but they've got the least creative offensive coach in the league. They just fire mid-range shots. Yeah. I think the players who are the most undervalued in the league are guys who you can shape their shot profile to make it way more efficient while they're already efficient players. Like I think people look at Zach Levine, oh, he fires mid-rangers, oh, he's maybe a little on the more unserious side. But I think you can you could get him. I don't think there's really any evidence that Zach Levine wouldn't play a more efficient style if he was in the right environment. So I think he's an awesome trade target. 
I don't really see why Philly would wait. Like, sure, maybe they could get something better in the offseason, but also super possible they miss and don't get anything better. And also, if you don't get Levine, if you wait till the offseason, you kind of throw away the season. They just don't have enough talent to really compete. So well, I want the Sixers. Ignore, I'm not saying ignore this season. I'm saying that I wouldn't go for Levine. But, but I, I, go I think the they team. need – with with the good – like with Denver and Boston, you need a you need to take a shot. Like if they got Gary Trent, like they're they're still not competitive. No, I think that I I actually do believe that this team is best. So take this current team minus Tobias Harris plus OG is better than plus Zach Levine. I I, I just, firmly believe that they're already yeah. one of the best oh, offenses God. in the NBA. Now you just completely eliminate any defensive issues that Maxi can possess. You take you el- you eliminate the opposition's best player, whether it's a forward, a guard by OG, or if it's a big like even OG does a job there, or it's Joel Embiid. Like that team is unbelievable to me. If it's OG instead of Levine. yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really think OG like selling the farm for OG makes sense for a team that has a center like Joel. I think because because they would essentially never play. Uh, like five out switching. And I think that's a really big piece of what OG does. I think he would be an awesome fit on like Memphis where you can put Jaron at center and then have OG as kind of your secondary big who can also essentially switch onto any player. But OG isn't quite as good defensively when he's playing smaller guards. I think he's kind of, he's awesome. You know, if you play like Kawhi, LeBron, those type of guys, but I think there is something to be said of like, you don't want to sell the farm for OG if you're not really going to be a switching team and going to be a super drop heavy defensive scheme. Interesting. Uh, Tobias Harris over the, no, I, I don't know if I said this by accident. I don't, I don't rate Tobias Harris. I rate yeah. Tobias Harris very, very low. And we're talking about serious. He's playing well. He's playing well. He's playing well. I, I will. You know what? I'll give him credit. He really does embrace. He's better than the role that they use him. He knows that, and he just plays it. I think that they use in that role for a reason because, like, he there's not much more he can give, and I think he's a guy that thrives more as like a primary option on a lower scale team, which makes him maybe a bit more unserious. Well, but- shout, shout out, shout out Tobias Harris though. He, you know, he was a super high usage player, and they kind of completely slashed his usage in Philly. And you know, I, I agree with you know, Philly doing that. Yeah, I agree with Philly doing that, and I don't think it's a great role for him, and I think they've been trying to get rid of him, but oh, yeah. never really complained, taking a way smaller role on a massive contract. Yeah, I, like, I'll, I'll credit I'll credit Tobias Harris for that. He's making $40 million to stand in the corner uh, and, and just shoot threes, basically. Must be That's nice. Oh, yeah. Must be nice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it must be nice, but he doesn't like it. He's admitted to that. But for sure. at the end of the season, for he's sure. free to go wherever he wants, to do whatever he wants. We might see a, a surge of scoring from him next season, however, maybe inefficient. Okay, uh, you talk about your fit, 76ers. I'll give mine before we move on to the bets for Zach Levine. I love the OKC Thunder as the opportunity to really push this team forward. They have the defense everywhere to hide it. Jalen Williams is a good defender. Ludendorff's an amazing defender. Chet's an amazing defender. Shea is a fine defender. He's, he's a positive defender. You can hide Levine's deficiencies defensively. He fits way better than Josh Giddy. You actually get floor spacing for Shea as, his, uh, as the secondary guard there. Shea is good enough to be the primary guy. 
Levine is your secondary guy there. Good piece all around, good depth. And the assets they could give wouldn't even, like, would barely scrape the surface of assets that OKC has for the future as well to continue to build for the future. Financially, they can afford it. I love the fit with OKC. Again, I question if this is what they consider the move that they, the big move that they make, but I, I really like this fit. And I think that this makes them a real, in a, in a few years, this makes them a real contender. What do you think about OKC? Yeah, I think the fit makes sense. Like OKC also is kind of a team that like, they're, they're like, I think by far number one in the league in drives and just don't really have shooters to kick it out. So Levine, to me, fit-wise, especially offensively, would make a lot of sense here. He could just bomb, you know, 12 threes for 36, hit 40% of them, get a lot of open catch and shoots. But I don't know. I just think OKC has higher aspirations, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Shea's going to be on a max. Chet's going to get a max. Jalen Williams going to get a match, max. I think they need to trade Giddy at some point. But Giddy would they, be outgoing like, probably in this trade. For sure. But I just don't think you can get like Levine and then another player. Like Levine kind of would be the guy they're going after. And he's a little old, a little injury prone. If I'm OKC, I'm saying, you know, we're kind of dealing with, with, we're, we're easily way ahead of schedule. We can kind of pick and choose that superstar we want. And I just rather a younger guy, guy maybe a little bit less injury prone. So I think I would just wait if I'm OKC. They could literally trade for any player who becomes available in the whole league. And I just still, I still am a bit lower on OKC. I don't think they're really a contender yet. And then, you know, in two years, when Chet's kind of hitting his prime, maybe add a little size, you know, where's Levine's knee going to be then? So I would probably wait. I like the fit on the court. But if I'm OKC, I'm just, I'm just waiting it out. Final thing on Levine, how much does his contract scare you? So this year, he's $40 million. Next year, it's 43 Year after, 46 31-year-old Zach Levine has a $49 million player option. I imagine he's going to take that. <laughs> At this point, I would be shocked. If, like right now, predicting, I'd be very shocked if Zach Levine did not take that player option. So that's a lot of money for four years. That's like that's $178 million, $180 million the next four years. Does that concern you if you're a team trading for him? Ooh. If I'm OKC, it concerns me. If I'm Philly, I'm less concerned. Like right now, Philly's really dealing in the world of Joel could leave, you know? And if Joel leaves, you're starting from ground zero. You got to totally start again. So, you know, if you're paying extra on the back half to be a legit contender, I don't hate it. I don't think it's going to be great, but also new TV deal coming in. So the deals are all going to get crazy. I think it'll probably be fine. It won't be great, but he'll, if if he can help you, if he can go to a team and help them legitimately contend, then it's fine. But like the Raptors, yes, I would be very concerned with that contract if I was the Raptors trading for Zach Levine. But if I'm the Sixers, much less concerned. I said one last thing, but now it's one last thing. What? How many <laughs> picks? How many picks is Zach Levine? Like, I think he's worth. Well, that's also. I, I think he's worth. Two like the two picks the Sixers got from the Clippers, that's sort of return plus players to get up to 40 million. That's where I think Levine is at. Well, that's what I kind of like about Levine, too, is I think his value around the league is pretty low. So you're you're not kind of trading those, you know, four unprotected two pick swaps to get him. Yeah, I think probably two first and an unprotected swap would be like yeah, pretty close to getting you there for 
Chicago or, or one it, or one unprotected, like really valuable first round pick. Like I think that's where yeah, exactly. Going. Like people, any team in the league would be desperate for you know a twenty twenty seven Philly unprotected. Like if you're getting Levine when he's on this contract knee problems and Joel, if it doesn't work out, easily could leave. Yeah, fine, they'll have Maxi, but like if Joel leaves, this team could be terrible. So yeah. I, I think th- there's a weird thing in the NBA of. If your team has potential of being really bad in the future, your picks become super valuable. So maybe you shouldn't be trading them. But I think an unprotected 2027, 2028 Sixers pick would be super valuable for the Bulls. So yeah, I think they could get them without, you know, selling the farm. So I, I just, I'm all in on that. I agree. Even though it would probably be bad for me in terms of betting wise, I've got a lot of Bucks futures, just championship futures. I'm still all in. I still want her. Right. Uh, Raptors, by the way, can't trade any pick un- up until the 2028 first. So that'd be the pick that would go to the Bulls. That's let's just let's not put it in the air. Let's not that's, put it in there. That, that's, that, I Raptors think that, do not trade for Zach Levine. That can be a very valuable pick, as easy as it could be, like a not so not so valuable pick. I don't expect it to be uh, like a, a bottom five in the first round, but I I could I, that pick could reasonably be a bottom like a top ten pick. So. Yeah, let's avoid that. Raptors avoid this one at all costs. I uh, Self-plug, I go in depth on why it's a bad idea for the Raptors on my own YouTube channel, which is, uh, which you see under my name, Amateur Sports, if you want more on Zach Levine and the Raptors. But let's talk about your bets. You wanted to make some in-season tournament bets. You've already made some so far on the show. You have the Warriors and the <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves to win the division, uh, their group, sorry, Group C, I believe it is. And, well, I don't know. I I think your bigger position is on the Timberwolves since you went with that next. You got a pretty lovely comeback in the brawl game as the Timberwolves mounted a fourth (laughs) comeback and won that game. That must have been uh, great for your your positions, I imagine. You're also on OKC not to make the playoffs and Jokic MVP. But the Minnesota one, that's looking good. How are you feeling about that? 30 to 1. I like it a lot. Hopefully they win the group. We just need a, a Sacramento loss. Um, and then we'll be okay. Like Wolves beat Sacramento. I think it's totally locked up. And if Golden State beat Sacramento, we're in really good shape. But yeah, I think what what we get plus four fifty on it. Now it's minus two twenty. Yeah. Warriors are definitely in a bit of trouble, but that bet's also not totally dead. Yep. Um, yeah, we're just really fading the Kings here. We really don't want the Kings to win this group. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I gave out thirty to one Wolves to win the tournament's like ten to one now. So. I'm pretty happy that, about that. That win just vaulted them. That win against the yeah, Warriors. Exactly. And, and also, the Wolves are really good. They are just a, a really good team. And they're a team, you know, Pat Beverly was bawling his eyes out after they won the plan. Yeah. This yeah. is not a team that is going to take the in-season tournament yeah, lightly. That, that's what I was saying last week. It, this is the one team. This is the one team I, I would bet on to be all in on the in-season tournament. Uh, all right. With that said, uh, you want to go – with a little bit more action on the in-season tournament, what do you have for us today? Yeah, so, so I've got I've got two. One one's a group winner, and then one's an in-season tournament to win. Um, so minus, I'll take it up to minus two forty. I don't honestly don't even know if it's that uh, bad of a price anywhere. Nuggets to win their group. Um, this price just really, I, I've been trying to look at the the permutations of it and understand why they're only getting priced at minus two twenty. It just the math just does not add up. They're two and zero. They've beaten the Mavs and the Clippers, so the two best teams in the group. 
the only team that has, doesn't have a loss is Houston, whose the odds are out for tomorrow, going to be six-point dogs in L.A. tomorrow. The Nuggets are going to be, I think, already on the board, four-point favorites in New Orleans tomorrow. So if Nuggets win, Houston loses, the bet's pretty much wrapped up. But even if Nuggets lose and Houston wins, the bet's still a favorite to win because Denver will get Houston and be, unless Jokic isn't healthy, be around. I think we already have a price for that game as well earlier this season. There were five-point favorites on the road. So there's just pretty much no reason for this bet. This bet should be around minus 400. And we're getting minus 220. I'm sorry to give out a minus 220. But there's just a ton of value on it. So, yeah. I think it's like minus 190 at DraftKings or was yesterday. It is right now. Minus 190. They're going to be better than minus 200 in either of those games. And Houston's going to be plus 200 against the Clippers. And they still need to play the Mavs. Houston's only gone to win over the Pels, who are the worst team in the group. And the Nuggets have gotten wins over the two best teams in the group. So give me the Nuggets. There's just, you know, there's going to have to be a string of a lot of really bad losses and wins for them to not win this group. So give me the Nuggets up to minus 240s easily, guys, for them to win their group. Group B, I think it is. So up to 240, except yeah. right now at DraftKings, well, it's it's moved because you gave it out. But right now, it's minus 200. <laughs> okay, now it's minus 210. Anyways, yeah, if you're watching live. Yeah, nuggets, are, nuggets are minus 200 to beat New Orleans tomorrow. And even if we get worst-case scenario tomorrow of a Nuggets loss and a Houston win, which based on my rough calculations in my head is like around a 12.5% chance, I still think we're favored to win the group, even if that happens. And then if either one goes goes right way, we're in really good shape. Understood. So minus 190 was that one for the Nuggets to win West Group B. That's getting blasted at DraftKings. Uh, but MGM has it minus 200 still. So if you want to get minus 200, you can still go and do that there. But up to 240 is good. Uh, anything else on the in-season tournament that you're looking at? Buckle up, buckle up, because we're giving out a big, a big juicy right. <laughs> underdog. Um, right. The Knicks to win the in-season tournament. So I've given right. out my West pick. I, I think I'll be done giving out to win. Eh, no, I take that back. I won't be done. I, I love betting this tournament. It's amazing. It's new. It's hard to price. You can look at the odds and get really good value. Knicks to win. I think there's a bunch of 60 to ones. I think it was 66 at FanDuel yesterday. 65. Um, Oh, sorry. 65. Yeah, 66. Plus 6,500. Exactly. Beautiful. Beautiful. So. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. The Knicks, they have a five-point loss to the Bucs. That's all that's happened in the in-season tournament so far. They, tomorrow, are going to be, I think this is on the board right now, they're going to be seven-point favorites, or six-and-a-half right now on the board versus Washington. They only lost by five to the Bucs. So they, um, the point differential, not bad at all. They get a, a Charlotte matchup and then a road Washington matchup. Both are going to be dramatic favorites there. And then they get home to the Heat. Going to be big favorites there. Maybe not big favorites, but right now I'd make them around four and a half point favorites, five point favorites at home to the Heat. They have a path to win the group if they win all three of those games. And, and then they have a really good path 
for the wild card because the Philly Cavs group is pretty tough and New York has two like cupcake matchups and a heat matchup, which they'll be favored in. So three clear favorites. If they're three and one, have a good point differential, really good chance of making the tournament. And then it's one game elimination. So at 66 to one with a decent shot and just their absolute toughest matchup being a small loss, it just pretty easily could see them getting their way in tournament. They've been really good. I think I'm above market on the Knicks as well. So, you know, you don't sell your house and, and put everything on it, but I think we'll get good value and the, and the odds will come way down if we win tomorrow against Washington. So it, very interesting market assessment of the Knicks right now. Um, I don't imagine you'll play this down to the 4,500 or the 4,000 on DraftKings and Bet365 respectfully. Uh, but the, this 6,500 is available on FanDuel. 60, yeah, anything like 50, 55 yeah. to one better. I would have value on it. Just a really good schedule to get themselves in, really getting Craig's out of it because they're 0-1. But, you know, 0-1 versus the Bucks isn't the worst situation to be in. And we uh, might have Giannis out tomorrow, which would sorry, I, certainly help the equity. Yeah, I'm like, looking at somebody... Giannis uh, could be out tomorrow with that calf injury. Eric asked about the in-season tournament schedule. The championship game is December 9th. So if the Knicks were to win this tournament, they would win it on Saturday, December 9th. Obviously, if they get eliminated in the earlier stages, then they will not be involved uh, at that point. But uh, the, yeah. the latest, the final is the ninth. So we'll say great it's, on the ninth. It's a nice tournament to bet too because yeah, it closes in, in three weeks. You're not locking up your money for the rest of the season. Right. Um, and, and what I was mentioning earlier is just like the the market is so vast, vastly different on this team. So uh, perhaps opportunity to get the number while you can. Uh, as we saw with that Nuggets one, that just got blasted live <laughs> while we were on here. All right, uh, 46 minutes. Any other teams that you want to discuss? I think we're good. Tomorrow, tomorrow's really going to be a, a massive in-season tournament day. Just, just a ton of games, a lot of interesting ones. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting day for sure. Uh, group stage grading, by the way, would be November 28th. That is the last batch yeah, of games. Of However, teams could be done earlier than that. Uh, the games are on the 24th and the 28th. So it could be either of those ones. I don't know specifically for the, the teams that we bet right now, but um, by the before the end of November would be the, the group stage grading. So yeah, you're not locking up money for a very long time with these ones at all which is a good thing. You want to have that liquidity to be able to, to hit more of the lines that we give out on this channel because we're betting every single weekday on this channel and twice on Thursdays, every weekday morning, 1130 a.m. Eastern time, myself and Pips go live for pick and roll. By the way, um, on, a nice, on a nice little run here, I know the, the whole short-term sample sizes and all that, but a 15-2 and two run is pretty impressive. Uh, to just means 15 and three in last in last uh, 18, but it doesn't because it's actually 16 and three if you add on the other day prior to that. So it's been an incredible run on the channel. We're looking to keep that going tonight with our bet we have tonight. And also we're looking to keep that going tomorrow with some more NBA action in place. So to keep up to date with everything on the channel, subscribe to the board HQ, follow on your favorite podcast platform. And before you go, Smash that like button if you are tailing any of the bets. If you've been cashing with any of the bets as well on the rest of the channel. We want to try to get to 50 likes 
on today's stream and take a second in audio form to rate and review five stars. You can catch more from Kirk Evans, a lot more, in fact, from Kirk Evans on the network. <laughs> Good on edu- <laughs> the educational content division, we have the Circles Off HQ channel where you are in studio with Rob Pozzola. That's at 4 p.m. What sort of things do you discuss in that podcast, by the way? A lot of analytics talk, sports analytics, hockey analytics, basketball analytics, uh, defensive metrics, all that type of fun stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, hey, you're watching this. You're a fan of of Kirk (laughs) Evans, and you must be a fan of analytics as well. Later today as well, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Well, let's say 8.15 p.m. Eastern time is when you'll be on for the first quarter of our the forward progress NFL watch party. It's actually a good watch party, a good game. The watch parties are always good, but it's a good game as well today between the Ravens and Bengals. You'll be on in the first quarter showing your NFL knowledge off. Uh, yeah, who's your who's your unofficial pick to win tonight's Thursday night football game? I think I have a little money on the Bengals, so go Bengals. Go Bengals. That is Kirk Evans. My name is Jacob Gramenia. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. We'll be back next Thursday together, but I'll be back tomorrow morning for more on the Board HQ YouTube channel. We'll see you then.